Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Today is going to be a little bit different. Quite frankly, I don't even know how to start this intro because we've changed it so many times over the last year or so. So uh, we're just going to uh, we're just going to start it. And we're going to have a good time this evening. Today's going to be less about politics. We're not going to discuss any of that stuff. I, I really don't want to get into that stuff. Marty's been on to me for several weeks now, several months now, actually, because it's been a while since we've done this to get a laugh in before the end of the year. And so with that being said, I made some phone calls and Marty made some arrangements. And here we are again. We're back on Another Room 101. I'm Johnny Anderson, along with Bruce Adams. Of course, Marty Foster, the, the, the man that has a voice for television and a face for radio, has joined us this <laughs> evening. We have, a, uh, we have a newcomer to us this evening. We have a very fine young lady named Sheila. Sheila, how are you this evening? Good, thank you. Pleased to be along. And Sam, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Very glad to be here as well. Fantastic. All right. We are going to go ahead and get started on this. But first, I want to ask before, because just proper etiquette, Bruce, how are you? (laughs) Healthy and alive, as usual. That's good. That's good. I'm sorry to disappoint you. There's not going to be any political talk today. Yeah, that's actually something I struggled with today, to be honest. So did I. I literally just (laughs) got too... Done. When, yeah. Okay. When I got my uh, when I got mine done today, I was writing down all these uh, all these ideas. I'm like, how on earth do I come up with these things to find things that irritate me that are not political in this day and age? It's very difficult. But anyway, we'll get to that in just. Well, anyway, we'll get to that in just a moment. Marty, how are you this evening? I'm absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for asking. Um, I'm just so happy that we finally got the antidote or an antidote to the testosterone fueled toxic masculinity that is our normal lineup stand fast sam so yeah it's it's good that we finally got someone of one of the many genders onto our show however i understand sheila your pronouns are she her are they not (laughs) yes they are okay fair enough thank you fair enough we we will follow along with that now before we get started as our unofficial commissioner, because it was your idea to begin with, uh, Marty, would you like to explain the rules of tonight's game? Okay, right. Now, we've got, unusually, we have four contestants. Uh, I'll just explain that the additional rule, which was to explain what a good alternative to your suggestion would be, uh, is not in play um, other than for bonus points and to garner favour with the judge, which is me. Now, the idea of Room 101, it's the Orwellian place where terrible things were kept and then put, is that you, you come up with three things that are gripping your shizzle, shall we say, things that are really grinding your gears, which is the phrase phrase you use, Johnny, and you put forward your case for why each of these things should be put into Room 101, a place to forget. I know that Sam will know the answer to this, but but where do you put things to forget in French? Yeah, the oubliette. You don't know. I thought you I do, know. the oubliette. There you go, the oubliette. So, mm-hmm. so basically, Room 101 is an oubliette, which was uh, an oublier, uh, is, is French for forget, I believe. It, it's derived from the Latin oblivion, which is, you know, scraped from memory. So that is the idea of Room 101. It's to get your suggestion put into Room 101. Now, it can be anything you like. It can be a concept. It can be something metaphorical. I see you have your finger in the air, Sam. 
just wondering who um, has replaced Marty with somebody who knows Latin. <laughs> you see, you see, you you've always just seen me as as a mindless thug, which is normally the character that I've been playing when we've been treading the boards. But I am, in fact, a man for all seasons, and um, and I, I know several languages, or just enough of several languages to get into trouble with. Mostly so, the swear words, I assume. Yes, yes. Well, they're they're useful, aren't they? When when you learn a new language, you go to a foreign country. Sooner or later, someone is going to get in your face, and you need to have to be able to tell them to um, go away as effectively as possible. Um, anyway, we digress. The idea of the game is to get your item, your thing, your practice, your concept into room one hundred and one because you really don't like it. And I, as the judge, get final say. And you'll each get a chance to put forward your case for your suggestions. So are you happy to, to proceed, Johnny? I am happy to proceed. Uh, it's all on you, Mr. Judge. This is, uh, this is you this evening. So you rightfully won uh, the last competition. So um, it is on you. We'll take our right cues from then. you. So um, just to give him time to think of his third thing, because I know Bruce is a man of so little anger that he finds it really difficult to find these items to, to put into room 101. So we'll start with Bruce. And um, what's your first suggestion for room 101? All right. So my first one is this is going to be both a uh, something to throw in and replace. So I'm going that route. Uh, funerals. Now, the current rendition of funerals. Everybody gets together and mourns the, the, the recently deceased. And, you know, it's a very dreary and drab uh, event. Nobody really likes going to them necessarily. Uh, so instead, what I, what I suggest replacing it with is a celebration, a, a get together of food, music, those kind of things, and enjoy yourselves as friends and family, celebrate the life that the person had, and then celebrate the new chapter of life you're creating with the friends and family around you. And uh, thus, you know, having a joyous event uh, instead of a dreary drab. Uh, the, the family and friends of the uh, recently deceased also is surrounded by people that they may care about uh, and have uh, people to help them forward through the, the mourning process as well. Well, that's a nice cheery one to start off with, but I, I totally take your point, Bruce. One of the things that I truly believe about funerals and the whole process is that some people, particularly nowadays, people have trouble getting in touch with their grief. They block things out a little bit too much. And I think the reason why a funeral funerals have become sadder um, because I truly believe that in the past, the particularly the pagan ones, the Viking funerals, were joyous, uproarious, drunken um, occasions. And, and I'd like to see more of that. But if people have trouble grieving and haven't shed those tears, um, because there are stages to grief, I think sometimes a really nice, not nice, a really sad funeral triggers that grief and allows people a, a, a good cry. Um, I'm willing to open it up to the rest of the panel. Billy Connolly had the best idea. He said, as you're lowering them into the thing, yeah, into the into the grave, you know, you've got those, um, you've, you've got the long ropes or, or ribbons quite often that are used to lower 
the um the coffin into the grave. You get your mates and you just whick him into a tree. As a, and he, that was his idea. You just you just get get the coffin and give everybody a laugh just by whicking them into a tree. I love it. That's a great idea. Um, I will have to say the two best funerals I've ever been to. One was my father's, and one was a friend of mine who unfortunately um, was run over by somebody on the M, knocked off his motorbike by somebody on the M4 and killed. They both started out as extremely sad affairs. And at my father's one, it just took one of his mates to start going, do you remember what he did? Do you remember, do you remember him doing this? And then everybody just started telling stories and it turned into one of the most riotous, laugh-filled laugh afternoons I've had. And then my best, my best mate's one, um, again, there were floods and floods. Oh, oh you could have you could have filled an Olympic swimming pool with the tears the, at the actual funeral itself in in the thing. Then we all went back to our, our favourite pub and everybody was sat around morose and awful until I turned around and said, "Oi, it was the smelly hippie we were talking about." And then everybody just exploded into stories and everybody just started laughing. And I have never been that drunk with that many people ever before or since. And so, I yes, Mar, uh, yes, Bruce. I think turning it into a celebration is a fabulous idea. But the best funerals are already going that way in some ways. Yeah, I, I have yeah. to agree with that. I, I, I've got to agree. Uh, it's it's for me at least. It's always been at, at least in the states. I mean, obviously, where I am is a little bit different. But uh, in the states, it's always been those that are like the 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 newer generation. I, I don't mean to sound harsh or anything like that to the older generations because we should respect them, but the newer generations, whenever you lose like a friend or a very close family member that is not too much older than you, such, such as like a cousin or uh, an aunt or an uncle or something like that, there's always a party after that. Yes, you go through the process of the funeral and the services and everything where the, you know, the, the pastor or the priest speaks. And, and of course you go through that. And then everyone uh -huh. grieves during that time. But after that, there's always a gathering of friends and close family, and everyone always has, at least the, the ones that I've been to, the, the ones, uh, the funerals I've always attended, there's always been a lot of food and, and a lot of people and a lot of laughter and, and things like that. And we always discuss the, the happier things. We, we don't have much in the way of um, sad grieving and, and, and things like that that happen afterwards. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Bruce. It should be it should be a party. But I think at the same time, people also do need the chance to uh, to grieve. And that's that's always what I've experienced, at least with the uh, the younger generations, not so much the older ones, because that was more traditional. But, um, you know, with the uh, with the newer generations, it seems to be, in my experience, it's more and more common. What's your take on that then, Sheila? What do you think? I think I, I agree in part, but the funeral is, is the sad part and then the wake is the celebration after. So most people have both anyway. Mm -hmm. Is that what the wake is for usually? You find a wake. But you, you, the hard I, part I is think over. you need someone like Sam there to kick off yeah, I'm not saying that, that, that kind of celebration as well because... <laughs> Some wakes are equally as morose as the funeral and people just can't wait to get away. You know, sort of shake the, the, the grieving widow by the hand, sorry for your loss, move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I, I like that one. So um, we'll, we'll draw a line under there for the moment and we'll move to... Can I, can I just say, the next, the next one that I attend, I'd like to attend the one with Sam because that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, the one where we weak somebody into a tree? 
<laughs> well, we can start there and then we can just move on and, and we can go to the party afterwards. I, li- I like the fact that we are um, we are assuming that our listeners are intelligent enough to work out what weak is, despite it being a quite a nice Scottish, Scottish um, verb. I like that. Yeah, well done. Um, they, can, they can always look it up. How do you spell it? W-I-C-K. <laughs> Thank you. So, right, moving on. Sheila, what is your first item for Room 101? Well, this is a personal bugbear. People over the age of 10 on a scooter. Not an electric scooter. That's good. Not one of those little Boris things that you whiz around London or Rome or whatever on. But anybody, I'm almost daily on my commute, there's always some horrible teenager trying to wheelie and spin it up the middle of the road. There's always some school-run mum in stilettos who's trying to her child's scooter home unsuccessfully nearly breaking her ankle and my particular one most evenings when I'm coming home from work there is a man on he's a grown he's an elderly man to be fair and he's on a scooter and I come the same journey every day and at one particular point there he is on his scooter and he scoots straight off the path into the road in front of me never ever looks over his shoulder it's like I'm on a scooter I, I own the street, and if I didn't is have this... a dash cam, I might clip him. But it'd be on, it'd be recorded, and I'd be in trouble. I'm, <laughs> I'm just curious. Are you, just for clarification, are you talking about like these little electric scooters that are just the, no. the pickup ones, or like the ones with little no. inline skate no. wheels on them? Yeah, the ones with the inline skate wheels that gotcha. people seem okay. to think scooters. That you know, near where I live, there is a there's a nice bridge, and teenagers try and wheelie down it or fly down it or do anything but actually ride it, really. Little kids don't. Anybody under 10, they scoot along quite happily on the path. But anybody over 10 seems to have lost the whole idea of a scooter. Right. Okay, I see. Um, any thoughts on that, guys? I'm, and it all went quiet over there, don't I was waiting I'm for assuming because Dewey's zo- because um because Sheila's almost stolen one of my things that's all oh no. oh no this is why we pick more <laughs> this is why we pick yeah, no. more. you know i i uh, i have to say i i'm i'm annoyed by those as well but i i've not seen one of those scooters that you're talking about in quite some time but i do see a lot of the other ones now the the electric ones that are all around the cities and and things as in fact actually i was walking uh in frankfurt one night with gp and we saw all of these uh vans showing up throwing all of these uh, i I believe it's the Lime scooters, if you know what I'm talking about, the uh, the ones you scan mm-hmm. with your phone and, you know, you can pick them up and just ride them and then just drop them off somewhere. And they were picking up all these Lime scooters and they were just tossing them in vans to take them down to service them and recharge them or whatever it is that they do. And I'm uh, GP and I just kind of stop and look at each other right before we jumped in the Uber. And we said, where in the hell were we on that one? You know, that was a money making opportunity. But you, you <laughs> see these things all over the place. And I can't stand it because it's exactly what you say. They have no regard for not just traffic, but pedestrians that are out there as well. And they're zipping up and down the uh, the sidewalks, walkways, and, and they're just going in and out of people and they just don't care. And I can't stand it. I, I, I totally agree with you. I would definitely extend it to the electric scooters as well, personally, because if anybody's got no regard for other human beings, it's the plonkers who are sc- screaming around on these electric scooters. My son is three and he's already been nearly knocked over. Well, he's been knocked over once and nearly seriously injured in the park by people just 
barreling through on these things. And you can't, well, I, I despise those. And should they be, they should be road tax. Should you have, I mean, they're not insured for a start, unless the Boris ones, the, the ones on the apps, but it's it's the private ones that are quite often the worst ones. They're not insured, but you don't have to have a license to get on them. There's no road tax paid for them, all, all of it, all of it. They just irritate the living bejesus out of me. They have a place, I don't know where it is, but I'm sure they have a place somewhere. I just would rather it wasn't anywhere near my city. Thank you very much. What I don't like about them is the fact that they're essentially a, a two-wheeled skateboard with a handle to hold on to. Now, I could never skateboard uh, when it was popular, in the, when it was first popular in the UK. Um, I tried, nearly killed myself several times. Uh, at one point, I narrowly missed going under the mini in the car park in, in Newquay that the skateboard got jammed under and broken on. And I don't think I ever skateboarded again after that. So they, they allow people who can't skateboard to try and do skateboard style tricks. And that's why they, that's why I think mm-hmm. so many of them are, so many people who ride these scooters are trying to ride them as stunt machines. But they're a word that rhymes with stunt, in my humble opinion. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally get it. How about you, Bruce? I mean, it's all dirt tracks out where you live, so scooters aren't much use, are they? In, in the, uh, the, the the town proper, we do have scooters because it's college town, So, but they're electric. Uh, we don't have... The, the, the worst problem that we run into is nearby ranchers' cattle get out. That's probably the worst of it that, that bogs down traffic more than uh, anybody on a scooter. We, we don't see those very often here. Yeah, we're all very jealous of that because if, uh, well, I am, because if I had the option to live in in that deep in the countryside, um, I, I certainly would take it. So, so we're a little bit jealous there. And, and of course, um, there's nothing like a great big cowpat to stop a scooter dead in its tracks. So, so maybe that's the answer. We could, we'll have to drive a herd of cows through the uh, urban areas and, and stop the scooterists. Um, glorious idea absolutely glorious idea did i tell you about the scooter in um in rome that nearly killed me that was a motorized that was a it was a vespa it was a motorized scooter i didn't hear it coming and in the uk the black and white stripes on the road means that if you're stood there the traffic has to stop in other countries black and white stripes on the road just means this is a place where the local authority think is a good place for you to be run over. Because as you step out into the road, the traffic keeps coming. And this scooter was just about to hit into the side of me when I turned sharply to the right and yelled in his face. Uh, he pulled on the brakes so hard that he, he came forward almost over the handlebars. I'm sure he hurt his man parts. On the, on the top of the handlebars as he did so. Um, and as I say, this was in Rome. And Rome is full of scooters, but they're, they're stylish, elect, uh, mot- motorised scooters, not, not these two-wheeled push-along toys that adults shouldn't be allowed. Oh, I'm, it sounds like I'm arguing strongly there for, for <laughs> Sheila's uh, choice. So I think it's time to move on and ask Sam. I'm not sure that this is going to be this is going to go down very well, but it might do with the parents, children, specific <laughs> children, 
Children who, when eating sweets or sweet packets, think that this is as good as the dustbin and just forget about them. Let's just drop whatever it is and forget about it. And you look at them and you say, dustbin, or, or quite politely, usually. But ch- children who, uh, who, and that extends into the outside world then, doesn't it? Because they, if they're prepared to do this, and drop it in your in your own house. They'll do it in the outside world, and then there's rubbish everywhere. But it starts with children. And I realise I am putting my own daughter into one hundred and one room, one hundred and one right now. But um, if that solves the problem of having sweet wrappers or whatever around my house un- unnecessarily, then um, I'm prepared to do that. I'm afraid that's how much I despise it because it then leads to rubbish being dumped next to a rubbish bin. When it's empty, you go to a rubbish bin and there's a face mask next to the rubbish bin. When you have the rubbish bin, there! The person who does that deserves to be shot, I'm afraid. Rant over, done. Well, if they're wearing a mask, they've probably been shot in the arm with something anyway, haven't they? So, um, you know, so, so the chances are... Uh, that they've already got their comeuppance, but essentially it's litter bugs. You don't like litter bugs, and 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 you're right. It does start with with kids, doesn't it? But um, uh, I'm just reminded of of Alice's Restaurant, the Arlo Guthrie song. It's 25 minutes long, and of course he um, to cut a long story short, the phrase littering caused all the bad people on the Group W bench to move away from him. All the Father stabbers, sister stabbers, to move away from him until he said, and creating a nuisance, and they all came back and shook his hand. You might have to cut that bit, Johnny, but it's it's a very funny song. and it's, Fantastic it's, song. Fantastic. Yeah. I absolutely love it. So litter bugs, but particularly children who, who start to display this bad habit. That's, that's where you're going with that, yeah? Yeah. I, it's a shame that GP's not here because he... Uh... He's all about everybody picking up a piece of trash in the world. And quite frankly, I can't blame him. Every time that I'm out, and it's actually, it's rubbed off on me, but every time I'm out and I see a piece of trash, especially like you're talking about, right next to the bin, I have to pick it up. I, I can't consciously walk past it and just leave it laying there. And it's it, it's everywhere. It's it's horrible. It, it's it's just terrible. And now I don't I don't personally see anybody doing it, but you're you're right. It starts with the children. And then, of course, it just progresses up through the years, doesn't it? Because that's a habit that you just don't kick. But I am a uh, I'm a firm believer in the fact that uh, of what's how, how do I put it? Because all, all you hear about from these um, uh, these these political outlets these these days is your carbon footprint and your uh, you're doing the damage you're you're doing the damage to all the planet and everything like that it's your fault i'm not in disagreement when it comes to toxifying the planet we're certainly doing that as people and as you say sam it takes starting with a younger generation and then moving up through that so if you can convince that younger generation that hey we all need to do our part to stop this toxification of our planet it starts with simply what gp always says pick up a piece of trash don't be part of the problem good words indeed thank you gp um for those so i agree with the sentiment and i agree the idea will cut we'll say instill fear in the in the in the younger generation and that fear will stay with them as they get older typically when you're when you know you teach something to a younger child typically it stays with them for the rest of their life or or at least the thought of it 
So yeah, I agree with the sentiment, but there's there's one caveat. What do you do with uh, the younger generation? They're in the learning phase. They, they, they go through that time of they may be rebellious at one point. What what then? Like there's no redemption in that if you get you get my drift. So it, it, that's where I'm kind of like it's difficult to agree because there is no redemption in that. Yeah, it's an absolute. Um, there, there's a word for it, but it's a type of crime that once you've committed, there, there's there's no way back from. I suppose the real thing that Sam wants to put into Room One Hundred and One is parents who don't discipline their children to yeah. not be litterbugs, because yeah. that's that's the redemption, isn't it? The the parent notices the the child littering and and would then punish them and reward them for the good behavior for picking up that extra piece of trash in the street when i was a kid and i know johnny was involved in the scouting movement as far as i'm aware paramilitary um, organization that is paramilitary organization it was and we love a paramilitary organization yeah. in the uk and in the and in the united states of america but especially by Baden Powell, who I think wrote favourable letters to Hitler once, or, or at least favourable words about the the, the Germans uh, and the Nazis. So, as a as a Cub Scout and as a Scout, we used to go out on a weekend and pick up litter, go to a place of natural beauty, and do that. I know for a fact that in your part of the world. Sam, it's being done quite regularly by the people of you know the, the the community because you live in a place where visitors come during the summer, particularly because it's a place of natural beauty. So, having the the local population go out and pick up litter, it's a shame it has to happen, but it's good that it is happening because it's setting the right example. Would you would you not say? Yes, it is that the litter has inspired me to buy my own litter picker thingy, you know, the jobby yeah. grabber. So I actually regularly walk around with one of those and the plastic bag just when I'm going for a walk because it irritates me that much. Indeed, you do need to be applauded for that. Um, Johnny, let's, uh, let, let's, let's tie off uh, round one with your suggestion for Room 101. My suggestion as my first item to try and make it into Room 101 is queue chatters. Now, I know that we've all been in shops and in different places, uh, airports, concert venues, cafes, whatever, places where you have to stand in a queue. You know, licensing services, DVLA, I believe you call it, something like that. Anytime you have to stand in front of a counter to get service for something or take care of something, you have to stand in a queue. And so that's a line for our American audience, right? That's what we call it. So, but a queue, right? Just for the, because we speak to an international audience here. And there's always somebody, at least in my experience, there's always somebody that likes to, that you don't know, that likes to strike up a conversation about just whatever. I don't know this person. Why on earth are you speaking to me? I, I, I'm not trying to be rude, but why do I care about what your child or what your mother-in-law did or what your... Uh, sister did yesterday and last week and the week before and what they had to put up with. Why do I care about that? That has nothing to do with me. I appreciate that we're both in the same situation here, having to stand in this queue because of some, uh, quite frankly, some overpaid bureaucrat that we're going to have to end up talking to that we're going to learn nothing about. But that doesn't mean that I have to hear your life story. 
So a- another thing that I could equate this to would be when you have to wait in an airport. Again, you're kind of waiting at the gate. So essentially, it's like standing in a queue because you have to get onto the airline. So you're waiting. So I get stuck next to this guy who is, and no disrespect, because I know we have listeners in Alberta, Canada, but I get stuck next to this guy from Alberta, Canada. And this guy, he has no idea who I am, didn't even ask me my name. And he just starts dumping his life out to me, starts telling me about how his his stepdaughter is... Uh, is just a horrible kid, and his wife, who he who he tells me uh, her first name, like I automatically know who it is, and I'm sitting there thinking the poor man just has no idea uh, about well any any logical way to deal with that situation. So I just let him go, right? So I, I just I, I just didn't say anything on it. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to get on the plane as soon as they call, and then I'll just be away from this guy. Wouldn't you know it? They sat the guy right next to me. That was his that was his ticket. He sat right next to me. So the flight that I had, now mind you, I just flown all the way across the Atlantic, so I'm already exhausted. I was just doing the last 90 minutes from uh, Chicago to my final destination, and I'm sitting next to this guy for 90 minutes, and he's not only this, now we're throwing Jack Daniels into the uh, into the mix here. And so the Jack and Coke starts flowing and then he's dumping himself out more to me as we get all the way across the uh, uh, the region there on this flight. I have sympathy for people that that have very stressful lives. I have sympathy for people that that are helplessly stuck through no fault of their own due to marriage or whatever, being related to someone or just blood relatives or whatever that can't cope with it and they have no one to talk to. But that doesn't mean that you need to spill yourself out to someone that you don't know while you're just simply standing in a queue somewhere waiting to get service. Right. I'll I'll put that round to the room, but um, I will just say this. Um, Even before you've got through your first sentence there, Johnny, I'd written the word curmudgeon down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is there a real strong anti-Canadian feeling that you you have? Is it the way they say Absolutely not. That was just no, that was just that was one example. That that was just one example that I had to that was an extended example, I guess. It wasn't simply just standing in a uh, in a queue somewhere just waiting. This was something that carried on for hours that I just couldn't get away from. I, I I hear you, but is it their their penchant for excessive politeness, perhaps? Or or was this man actually a nervous flyer and and <laughs> verbal diarrhea because he was nervous of flying? There's someone who I who I can talk to. If I chat with that that good looking guy there, then then maybe I'll feel more relaxed and I won't freak out on the plane. So I don't know what you guys think. Sheila, do do you have anything to say on the subject? AirPods. AirPods. Yeah. Pump them in, ignore the world. Okay, so so you're with Johnny on that one, are you? Well, I'm I'm world's worst. I will chat to anybody in any queue, but if you don't like it, you know. What I don't like is the ones at the head of the queue in the supermarket who then have a long conversation with the checkout girl or the chatty checkout girl, stroke man, uh, other types of serving persons in supermarkets are also available. You know, um, my first, my first, my first brainstorming idea was actually I have it written down here. It was called Chatty Checkers. You know, the ones that that have that conversation. But I wanted to actually broaden it a little bit. Yeah. So, so I think I think we're we're all sort of secretly, or at least Sheila and definitely myself, secretly kind of agree with you that chatty people in lines or queues can be a tad annoying. But we realise that it's it's a social human thing to communicate 
but I suppose on your own terms and when you when you want to, rather than when they want to. I will put a different perspective on it for you. In my professional career at the moment, I work with people who need to learn or relearn how to socialise and sometimes checkout queues or lines for the DVLA or wherever are some of the best places to do it because you're surrounded by other human beings and you're a kind of sort of semi-captive audience. Um, but you, if, if the, the carer, in my instance, is there with them, you can encourage them to talk to people. You can encourage them to, to communicate with people. It's actually quite a handy tool, should I say, um, in the rehabilitation of people who need it. And I'm trying carefully not to give away too much about what I do for work, but there, there are situations where, where being a chatty cure or is, is, is essential. However, I do completely agree when it comes to actually checking out. Just give, put your goods on the damn thing and get out the store. Do not stand there for half an hour talking, talking to me while I'm trying to get my stuff through or talking to the person preventing them from bleeping your bloody items. Get out! Thank you. <laughs> True story. I, I agree. <laughs> True story. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but um, up in the, the northern part of Great Britain, Scotland, and certainly in the north of England, people are more chatty. People are more sociable than we are in the south. I don't know why that is. But Doesn't mean they're nicer, though. Doesn't mean the thing I object to is they say because they're chattier, they're nicer. That's rubbish. You're you're, you're right. They are just chattier. Um, And and I I won't come down on either side of nice or not nice. But this guy who'd clearly been out for the evening in Edinburgh got onto the bus. Now, on the bus in the south of England, everyone looks for a double seat to sit by themselves and really don't like it when they're forced to sit next to somebody else. But up in, in Scotland, they deliberately go and sit next to someone and start a conversation. Now, this guy, he had a lovely, you know, it's, it's nearly Christmas and he had a lovely red glowing nose. So I imagine his name was Rudolph or something. Got onto the bus and went to sit next to this lady. And he's going, hey, Hen, how you doing? How you doing? And this woman is completely blanking him, not saying a word to him. And he's getting more and more agitated. Hey, Hen, I'm talking to you. Are you not hearing me? And anyway, he's getting very agitated. The bus stops at the at, at a bus stop along the route, and the lady gets off, and the woman who meets her immediately uses sign language to communicate with her. So for the entire bus journey, this guy had been talking to a woman who couldn't hear a word he was saying, and it irritated him so much. But yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you. I was crying with laughter because it reminded me of Ben Elton's Double seat, double seat, got to get a double seat, in which he would carry a fake dog turd around with him to yeah. put on the seat next to him just so he could have the the, the double seat for the entire journey. Um, he goes on, actually. He says, you know, you put a newspaper down, someone will move the newspaper. But he he describes exposing a part of his, his male anatomy and putting that there. No one's gonna move that, I believe, in that same yeah. in that same sketch. And that reminds me. Again, of, of something I saw on the Book of Faces this week, where there's two guys on a park bench facing away from you, so you can just see the back of the heads. 
And one says, it's nice out. And the other one says, yeah, I think I might get mine out too. Um, that's got absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. Bruce, have you got anything to say about chatty people? Uh, a possible solution. Um, you, you are essentially being a therapist for this person as they... Uh, uh, verbal diarrhea, I believe is the, the phrase you use. So instead, uh, you could offer them, um, if you want my services, it's $100 an hour. And then... What a great solution. In fact, we should get cards printed. So every time it happens to us in the queue, we just hand over the card. Um, there you go. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Right, I suppose I need to sum everything up. So we had Sheila with her people... Uh, over the age of 10 on a scooter and at the moment or at first sight that was streets ahead then we have bruce with the funerals and i couldn't agree more funerals need to be cheered up i think the deceased person would want everybody unless they were a curmudgeon and didn't like talking to people in queues um (laughs) would like people to enjoy themselves at their funeral johnny I get where you're coming from, but th- this is like one of those things, isn't it, where we we all agree that it's an absolute arsake to have some complete stranger talking to you or at you in a queue, and you'd rather they just toddled off. But we know deep down as human beings that um, that we need to to open up. We need to be there for other people. So, so I can't put chatty queue chatters in into room 101 i'm afraid it's okay. um sam are you there my friend there he is i've i've got to say yeah. i like i like bruce's idea sad funerals should be a thing of the past and it should be celebrations but i think people will move that way anyway it's going to happen but the one thing that we can't be doing with anymore is littering so i'm afraid um sam your children who drop litter, or subsequently the parents who do not discipline those children for dropping litter, is going into room 101. So, round two. We're going to start with Johnny this time. You're going to start with me. Okay. Um, at the at the risk of sounding like... Uh, Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> at the risk of not uh, repeating uh, what we had previously discussed about trash. But th- this is a little different. Th- this is a little different. This is, this is kind of littering, but it's not. It's not. And I would like to put... To attempt to put into Room 101... Because obviously it's you know obviously it's not in there because it's up to you, glorious judge, as to what goes in there. It's it's ultimately on you. It's. <laughs> I would like to attempt to put neglectful dog walkers into oh. room one hundred one. Now, around where I live, and I'm sure it is the same just where everyone else is at at the moment. There are walking paths, trails, parks, all of that. And they're very well kept and they're just lovely to go out just across for a small walk in the afternoon. And it's very nice. It's very nice. Now here where I am, there are uh, rubbish bins, as you say, uh, all over the place. And over top of each one of those bins is 
a dispenser that has bags for your dog and for when your dog does his business, his or her business. And so EU euros have gone to provide poop bags. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Get out of politics. So, so these bags are provided and they are kept in stock all the time. You know, the, the caretakers that go around and care for the parks and things, they put these out. And there are clear signs everywhere of a dog doing his business with a red X through it. So it's pretty much universal. You understand no matter what language you speak, what that means. And there's always uh, a sign next to that of a hand with a bag picking up the mess of the dog and tossing it into a uh, into a bin. I can't stand the people that blatantly ignore that, especially the ones where you see them, they have the bag sticking out of their pocket, as in like they're walking along and you can see the bag that they clearly have with their dog on a lead and you see their dog doing the business and they're just kind of, the owner's just kind of, you know, look, looking around like, okay, who's watching me? And then they just walk on and they leave it laying there. So I have a I have a very serious problem with that. I mean, not not only is it uh, is it a, a break of a well, clearly it's a it's a rule, I guess you could call it. I don't know if there's necessarily a law against it, but it's just common courtesy, in my opinion. Clean up after your dog because that's what the community expects you to do. Yeah, um, if it isn't a law, it jolly well should be, I, I think, because. It's, um, it is a law oh, in this country. In this country, it, it, it may very yeah. well be here. I just haven't looked into it. But there's clearly signs everywhere, and and it's the sanitation side of it is provided. So use it. Is my opinion. There are only two kinds of people who are worse. The first is the mugwump, or whatever you would like to call them, who is allowing their dog to do their business in my front yard and not clearing it up from there. I would like to remove that person's. Uh, genitals. I was trying to say something not rude, but I would, yeah, I would like to actually sometimes remove their just, genitals and shove them down their own throat. Sometimes the other you just one, can't avoid it. Sometimes no, you just have to say it. Yeah, the, the other one the, that is worse than the, the, than the people who leave it there is the people who pick it up in their bag and hang it in a tree. In yeah. the bag, in a oh. tree, because... We are trying now, are we not, to reduce our carbon footprint and all this that we were talking about earlier. And this is like littering on steroids, you know, is, is you pick up the stuff and you hang it in a tree and you leave it there to dangle in front of people and subsequently forget it. I was told that this is so that people can continue their walk and remember to remember to pick it up and put it in the trash or the dustbin afterwards. Like buggery do they actually do that? They just leave them in the sodding tree. Or sometimes weak it further into the tree, returning to the weaking. How is that not against? Anyway, there, there is, there has to, the law has to take that into account as well. Yes, I've not seen that before. That's that's new on me. It's everywhere in the countryside in this in in the UK. I'm really, it's everywhere in the countryside. In wow, the UK. you cannot go on a picturesque walk in the UK and not see. Okay, I'm not talking about all the trees are covered in them, like um, my Christmas trees covered in baubles. It's not like that. But every single time I go on a walk in a picturesque place, there is poo in a bag hanging in a tree. That's that is disgraceful. But I I uh, have to admit I've seen that as well. The last time I made the mistake of taking a dog for a walk without the bag, without a bag ready, I'd already cleaned up three, maybe four piles of its business from the back garden. I've got a very big shovel, and I, I, one hand with the shovel, the other hand with the rake, and on it goes, and straight onto the compost, 
and um, it's fine. So I took the dog for an impromptu walk and he decided he needed to go again. And there are these two women walking towards me with a small child. And I had to stand there and ask very nicely if I could borrow a carrier bag. And they, they gave me a carrier bag and I did what you had to do. You know, you put your hand in, you turn it inside out, you grab, and then you take it away. Um, but they were, they were really pleased that I had asked them for a bag rather than just leave it there, which is what most people would have done. But dogs' doings can, can give all kinds of um, diseases and cause blindness and, and lots of nasty things. And as most people take their dogs for walks into parks where children play and people go for picnics, I think that's, that. to my mind, this, this is quite a good one, Johnny. So um, um, you're ahead so far, but then again, you're only going first in round two. So mm. anyone else got anything to say on that, Bruce? No, I think you guys all covered it. I, I'm in agreement. Uh, you have a dog. There's responsibilities that come with it. Uh, picking up after its droppings is um, part of it. Sure. Okay, we're going to move to Sheila now for your next item for Hi. Room 101. I really can't compete with that. Well, my next item is mushrooms. Mushrooms. I quite like do? mushrooms. No, they are awful. I can't understand why anybody would want to eat a mushroom. You know that they're grown in the dark. They squeak when you bite them. They smell disgusting when you cook them. They're what just thrown in the dark in? In in shite, basically. It's <laughs> just yeah. you know, which comes in the carton with it. Yeah. When yeah. you you know when you buy them, I mean we have organic fruit and vegetables delivered, and they come in a little compostable pot in other compost and covered in brown stuff. And I just cannot understand why anybody would want to eat a mushroom of any description. Not in garlic butter, not breadcrumbs, not dipped in something. They're just horrible. Aren't you um, actually sort of... I, I'm not making fun of you here, but aren't you semi-vegetarian? You're not very keen no. on, on most types of meat. No. So, so the vegetarian option in a lot of restaurants is quite often what? Mushrooms. Yeah. So, so that must make things hard for, for a vegetarian or semi-vegetarian, vegetarian. You know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I had a vegetarian round for lunch one afternoon and it's very difficult to put together a barbecue in the middle of the summer for someone who's a vegetarian because typically when you have a barbecue, it's... Uh, it, it, it typically is because when, when you have a barbecue, you're usually throwing sausages and, and steaks and, and burgers and whatever on the, on the grill. And so you, um, you then have to be creative. And I came up with an idea to make uh, mushroom burgers. And instead of the actual, uh, instead of the actual beef making the, uh, the patty, I did uh, mushrooms and I mixed it with a little bit of egg and a little bit of flour. And by the time I got done, you know, diced up really nice and, and mashed all together. And by the time it was done, I mean, I'm American, obviously. By birth, I have to love burgers, right? I mean, that's just the way that it is. But by the time I got done with it and I tried it myself, it was delicious. It was absolutely delicious. Uh, to, to my mind, uh, I'm a big fan of the mushroom. Um, and one, one step better than the mushroom, and I don't know if any of you guys have ever tried these, is the giant puffball. These things are... Uh, are they come up overnight 
and and they are perfectly round. Yeah, we call it a souffle, Marty. No, 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 no. It's a puffball. It's a fungus. And they're the size that you can get them, the size of basketballs. And they slice up like a steak. So, and it's got nearly as much protein in. And it, it, tastes, it tastes of virtually nothing. So whatever you flavor it with, with your seasoning, it tastes mildly of mushroom, but you can put kind of whatever flavor you like into it. But I love mushrooms. I love them with garlic butter. I love those big field mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do roast uh, yeah. oven roasted mushrooms with, uh, uh, with, and I stuff them with bacon and mozzarella cheese and, they're just, and some garlic and it's just lovely. It's, it's just lovely. I, I swear I'm part hobbit because I, I have an obsession. I love mushrooms. They're one of my favorite things to eat. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of um, the hobbit, but um, their favorite thing to go and forage are mushrooms. I, I couldn't live without them. I absolutely love mushrooms. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not the best person to. But was that, was, was that a Tolkien drug reference to Sarah Scobin? No, no, no. I think that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? The magic mushroom. No, not at all. It, it, <laughs> hobbits, hobbits, apart from having three breakfasts, um, their their favourite thing to eat is is field mushrooms and just they go foraging for mushrooms. The bit of my um, blood that isn't mostly vaccine, having lived in Africa, um, is hobbit, I think. <laughs> is it is it possible, Sheila, that you've just never had them prepared properly? Is it is it possibly that... Because I, I know some people, the only reason I say is because I know some people that have the same exact opinion as, as yourself, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, sometimes there's, there's some things out there that you just don't like. For me, it's fish. I don't know why. I know that it's good for you. And when I was a child, I loved fish. I loved shrimp. I loved lobster, crab, any kind of you know, salmon, orange roughy, what, halibut, whatever you could throw at me. I loved it. Now, I just don't like any of it. I, I don't know what it is. There's just something about it that's just turned me turned me away from it. And it wasn't a bad experience or anything. But I'm wondering if it's just because they weren't prepared correctly. No, I just I just don't like however they've been prepared, I don't like them. I don't like the taste. I don't like the texture. I don't like the smell. There's just nothing okay. nice about them. So it's just like myself with fish, got it. Yeah. I I I kind of agree. Okay, so personally, I'm not a fan of mushrooms. The texture. Depending on the flavor, it's really it's not even necessarily the flavor that I like of mushrooms. It's what you cook them with, saute them with, or uh, like one, uh, there's um, a restaurant we used to go to years ago. They had beer battered mushrooms and those were quite good, but it wasn't the mushroom that I liked about them. It was the beer battered part. Uh, the mushroom itself didn't have much flavor and the texture is, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the texture. So personally, I could go without mushrooms and it wouldn't be a problem. But you couldn't go without the beer batter or the garlic butter or, the, you know. Yes. The, yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's a simple explanation there. The very, very worst thing you can possibly ever do to a mushroom is deep fat fry it. You have to shallow fry them in butter. You don't deep fry mushrooms ever. They just turn into the squeaky, horrible, non-flavoursome things. You need to take care and love your mushroom. Agreed. Agreed. I turned my head for just a minute. Sam, what's happened to your ears? <laughs> I'm embracing my inner hobbit. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. I turned my head for just a minute. I turned back and I'm like, what in the hell? <laughs> you wait till you, wait till you see his hairy toes. <laughs> okay. So we've had mushrooms. Cool. That was quite high, wasn't it? Had that whistle there. We've had mushrooms from Sheila. 
We've had inconsiderate, neglectful dog owners from Johnny. Bruce, what's your next item for Room 101? Okay, well, struggling to remember what I have uh, done previously and knowing that these two, uh, the, the last two that I have are actually topics that I have regularly brought up between uh, my family and whatnot. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, propose uh, daylight savings time. Now, this may be just an American thing. I don't know that no, we uh, do it you do it there as well. Okay, so oh, yeah, it's everywhere. The, the, the time change, you know, spring forward, fall back, those kind of it, it is absolute nonsense. Now, I understand why they did it back in the day It was an agrarian society. Um, they did it for time, you know, uh, daylight and all of that. It, I, I get the reasoning behind it. We've advanced past there now. Most farms are automated. You don't need the extra time. Just keep it consistent. Uh, it, it, it's better for our psyche anyway. So just just keep it consistent and, and pick one. Either, either spring forward or fall back. I don't care. Just pick one and stay with it and don't change it again. I do care. Because this country's this country's timestamp is GMT, which the whole world says flows from GMT. We are yep. time zero, yep. you know, and everything goes from there. And the one that people assume is the normal thing is the daylight savings, is the British summertime, which just isn't. We are now in GMT, and we should keep it as GMT. I'm sorry, this is a passionate thing because it's a historical thing. I agree. Um, I, I completely agree, totally agree with you. Are you aware that it causes the um, the worst traffic accident day? It is a direct cause of the worst traffic accident day of the year. Really? Every time that we lose an hour, whichever one is um, springing forward, isn't it? We lose an hour. The very next day, is, the very next Monday is always... The, the day with the worst traffic accidents in the country, especially the worst. Is it? But sorry, is that because people haven't had enough sleep? They've lost yeah. an hour of sleep. Yeah, it's because people are, uh, are not able to concentrate because they're all miffed because they've lost an hour of sleep, which is largely inconsequential. And they're all rushing to get to work because they forgot that it's an hour and their body clock isn't allowed is, isn't changing for them. So okay, that's quite a good one, Bruce. I've not, we've never, we have not had that one before. That's for certain. So daylight savings. The flip side of that is that extra hour in bed when the clocks go back. So fall back in, in the autumn. It's around about October time, isn't it? October 15th, thereabouts. Sorry? End of October. End of October. And, and it does mean that you get this extra hour in bed. But you said something else here that upsets me, um, which was the farms that are automated. <laughs> and, of course... I talked about this just the other day on the podcast where, you know, you've got fewer and fewer uh, farm workers and the big money is trying to make all the farms automated so that they don't need humans anymore. And in, in rural areas where streetlights are few and far between, if they have them at all, making sure that you can get home in daylight or twilight is quite important. So surely that must also save a few lives. I, I take your point that people on that one day of the year where they should have planned for it, should have been aware, wind up losing sleep, panicking because they're late, driving too fast, driving without due care and attention, 
and winding up in, in accidents. Well, they're not accidents, are they? Because there's always someone to blame. So they're road traffic incidents. But at the same time, for several months thereafter, people in rural areas where there are no streetlights are able to get from their place of work or the pub while it's still light so they can mm. get home. But- yes, but surely if you're in touch with the land as a farmer and in touch with your crops and things like that, it doesn't actually matter whether you've sprung forward or fallen back. It doesn't matter. You will be awake when the sun comes up. You will go to bed when the sun goes down. It doesn't matter what actual sodding time it is at any point in time. You're right. I'm not going to disagree with you there because time is a man-made construct. And and when we get woken up by sunlight and go to sleep because it's dark, I think we're much healthier and happier mentally and physically. I don't know if I just dreamt this, but there was a certain period of of history uh, within British society where people used to go to sleep when it got dark. And sometimes in the winter, that can be four o'clock in the evening, maybe even a little bit earlier, quarter to four, it can be dark. And so they were going to bed at these times to save on candles and things, but they were sleeping so much that they would get up in the middle of the night and go visiting. There would be visiting hours. You'd go around somebody else's house. Is that true? Have you heard? Yeah. Well, tell me about it. What have you heard? I saw it on TV. I, actually, that is the thing. People go visiting at midnight because they'd be awake. 100% true. And it's actually been shown to be a healthier way of sleeping. It is actually something that we naturally are supposed to do. You know, this whole thing where where as you get older, you get aware of the fact that you get up in the middle of the night to go for a wee or whatever, you, because you do. Actually, we should be doing that. That is, a, that is the most natural thing to do. It is unnatural for your bladder to be holding you stuff inside you for 12 for eight hours straight that's not good for you it's um it's healthier in so many ways and it is a much more natural way to 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 exist actually and it's um been shown i can't remember who it was but but i think somebody like newton or even um dickens not dickens um darwin that's it begins with a d please excuse me they had their most productive times in those few hours that they were awake in the middle of the night. That's when their brains were most active. Oh, there you go. It sounds like you've struck on something there, Bruce. Well, and I also have to push back a little bit. Uh, being as I was a farmer, uh, rancher for a time, um, yeah, that, that implies that you don't have headlights, flashlights, or some way to light your way when it's dark. You prepare for those kind of things as a farmer. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it doesn't save lives. Thank you, Bruce. Right. This bit is you don't have to adjust your clock. Yeah. I was trying to reset the car or the cooker. Well, you're winning the case for Bruce here really nicely, everybody. Um, Sam, your second item for Room 101. Updates. I've suffered from updates this evening. Uh, Updates. Specifically the updates that cause your entire computer or your entire telephone to cease working until the update is finished because they always seem to happen. The the automatic ones I'm talking about, the ones that you have no choice about, because they always seem to happen 
at the most inopportune moment when you most need to get on, when you're desperate to get on. I had this set up all on last night. It was fine for hours and hours and hours, you know? And so I thought, I'll just click on it. Yo, no. I was late because of updates and the the, the system that we're using, um, I'm not going to say because there are other proprietary ones, I'm sure, on the market, whatever, blah, 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 um, prevented me from actually joining this conversation because of updates. I wasn't able to progress. Those kind of updates that really bug me. But I was already going to say it because the same thing happens on my telephone on a regular regular basis as well. Just completely, the ones that completely prevent you from doing anything else until the damned update has happened. There you go. Updates. I am kind of in agreement with you there. Obviously, if the update is absolutely vital and improves the operation of your equipment, then I think everybody would sort of want those things to happen. But what I've also noticed is slowly but surely, those updates take up more of the memory of your device. And it kind of eventually makes your whatever type of device it is useless, which means you've got to buy their next generation of, of device. And, and it, I don't know if it's deliberate or not, but it, it seems to happen. Um, anyone else got anything on that? Yes, uh, I'll add to I've um, to your point about it slowing down your device over time. That's actually something that came out in I, I, it was either court or uh, something came out uh, with a, a lawsuit involving one of the major uh, telephone uh, manufacturers. They said they do, in fact, throttle the speed of your phone to uh, because basically they were saying your, your, your battery life over time, it degrades and the voltage that's output by the battery uh, changes. So to preserve your processor on your phone, the CPU, they throttle the speed at which your phone operates. Um, they, yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of nonsense. I would agree. However, uh, being a techie, a nerd, um, there, there's one caveat I would throw in. Uh, just have control over when the updates happen. I, I I would uh, you, you know if we could have direct control over okay I want to install the update now uh, the, I would be totally fine with that because you know updates are needed unfortunately there are groups of people out there that see the need to uh, steal your identity or your uh, you know information passwords all those kind of things. So we have to patch up the holes that are in operating systems and those kind of things. So some updates are vital for security reasons. So I wouldn't say get rid of them completely. I would just say have more control over them. Yeah, I agree. Hence, well, I would have been able to join the conversation this evening uh, about half an hour previously if it hadn't been for the fact that my computer was completely stalled by the updates. Until I discovered what the code for was. Uh, the booking code for IT downtime. I used to despise the the updates um, for my work computer because it meant that everything that I was doing, or all the, the time I spent waiting for the update to finish, I had to book to something else, another part of the job that I was measured against. But I've discovered this wonderful code that is IT downtime and now I can book as many hours to it as I like, and it's fantastic. I hardly have to do any work at all. It's marvellous. Right, time is pressing on, so let's just do a quick recap. The lovely Sheila has decided that one of the best 
vegetables in the world should go into room 101, which is mushrooms. So um, I don't think that's going to be going anywhere, I'm afraid. Not Steve. vegetables. They're not vegetables. You say potato, I they're say potato. They're yes. a completely different kingdom. They're not vegetables. Okay, they're a fungus. So, yeah. so they're... they're they're, they're, All the more reason not to eat. They're meat that doesn't scream when you bite it. Yes, they do. Well, okay, they squeak. And I quite like the squeak. Johnny, neglectful dog owners, people who don't pick up that horrible stuff. And the thing is, obviously, wild animals living in a wild environment or even wild animals that cross our parks, foxes, badgers, they all still do it. And actually, that stuff smells a lot worse, especially when your dog rolls in it. I don't know if any of you have experienced that when a dog has decided to mask its own scent by finding some other scat from from another creature and doing that. So yeah, um at, at the moment I'm I'm quite drawn towards that as a possible updates on computers and phone, they are irritating, but they are also a really good excuse when your work laptop is is um updating to do sod all. And, and now I have a code for it. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the update. I look forward to the update. Daylight savings. That we all had strong arguments about for Bruce's suggestion. However, I think the more pressing thing and the more disgusting thing is Johnny's. So that's the um, neglectful dog owners, people who don't pick up after their pets, is going into room 101. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I knew that I would. I, I knew that I would get one at least into uh, into room one hundred and one. So I was. Uh, I, I was hopeful that it would be that one or possibly my next one. But um, that was I, a I have a bank. Yeah, yeah. I, I I understand. So I think I've. I think I'm going to have to uh, narrow my choices on the uh, on the next one, and then I'll have to save my others for the uh, the next show. Okay. Um, third and final round, and uh, we're going to start this time with you, Sam. This is close to being a personal attack on on one individual. I have no idea who did what this individual's name is. I have no interest in finding out what this individual's name is um, because I have frequently run out of my house and uh, had stern words with this individual. But it does expand to other gentlemen, men, blokes, blokes, who we in the street don't even bother to try and hide it. Just... Pee all over the 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 the, the pavement. Well, uh, you know, and and don't don't. What have you got against the French? Are you are you? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. The, the are you francophobic? That the, the, it's not a Frenchman who does it. He is. Are you sure? Yes, I'm absolutely positive. He, um, he uses the word in it, and I am quite sure that a Frenchman would rather commit Harry Kiri than use the word. In it. Oh, okay. Um, yes. Um, are you are you sure it's the same person that's doing this over and yes. over and over again? One hundred percent certain. And and so much so that that I've had now had neighbors 
also leaning out their um out of their windows as I'm out there berating him, telling him to foxtrot Oscar and go and urinate elsewhere because they're fed up with it too. But it, it does extend to other gentlemen who, who do this because it happens frequently after drinking, consuming many, many beers and walking out of a pub in which there's a toilet! <laughs> I'm and sorry, I can't, stay, I can't stay on mute anymore. That's, that's just too funny. <laughs> I can't you walk out of a I, place with urinals to flop your flat, frankly ridiculous member out in the middle of the street and get <laughs> all over payment. Room 101 to them, I say. Are you um, sorry? Have you called the police? Have you called the police around to, to, to try and, and, and help what, you deal what with it? What's the police going to do with that? He's going to have hidden his pitiful little member well, and I mean, run if away you have well of course and then obviously i mean i'm not advocating that anybody film that because you know that's just you can't <laughs> but certainly you've got a, a way of at least having several witnesses speak to an officer and say look you know this this individual's urinating all over the uh, the street and all of all, all over our uh, our front lawns and everything we, we we can't be having this surely there's got to be something caltrops that's what i would use caltrops are are small spiky things that, that that whichever way they land there's always a spike pointing up uh-huh. um, yeah, nails twisted together yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so throw cow drops in, in the job but you need to count them so that the following morning you make sure you pick them all up um you except might for the ones that are stuck in his feet except for the ones stuck in his feet yes so public urination we're going to have to move swiftly, but um, have you got anything else on, on, on that there, Sam, that you would like to, to, to no, say? No, it, 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 is, it is close to being a person. It's an attack on a, on a single individual, but it is anybody who just doesn't, doesn't make the effort to at least hide where they're going for a wee because wild weeing is a thing that happens because we all get caught short. I know ladies who wild wee, but don't wild wee on the pavement where hundreds of other people are going to be walking past and then walking it through their houses on their shoes. Wild, hide your wild weeing. Wild wee in a bush. Wild wee down an alleyway where you know that there's some grass that somebody's not going to walk on. Wild wee with consideration. Do not wild wee on the pavement where children, dogs, cats, other human beings are going to walk through it and walk it into your car, into your house, wherever you care to be. And of course, if he's coming from the pub, it's probably usually around about exactly the same place yeah. uh, where it's happening. And over time, that uric acid builds up a horrible smell and you probably, on the brick wall at the front of the yard, there's, there's probably slowly a large moss growth um, yeah. growing up there that, that just stinks of piss. Is that, it is, is, that it is one reason I'm grateful for the horrific weather we've had recently. It's given it a good, all a good rinse down, has it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll throw in because uh, we've done a story on this before uh, on the podcast as, as some, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago when GP was on. There was a uh, I think it was in San Francisco. There was so much weeing that was going on on a light pole that it eventually rusted and fell over and smashed a guy's car. So, yes, I'm on board with no public urination. Right. Thank you. Um, who should we have next? I'll just do it in the order that I've got it written down here. Johnny. I have two that I was literally hoping to get another minute or two to uh, to decide on. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with... Go with your gut, man. Oh, okay. 
I'm going to have to go with gambling adverts on television. I can't. Yeah, I, yeah that that is it. That is one that that's that's really bad. I know that gambling in the United States and in the UK and in parts of Europe have gotten tremendously out of control. Uh, and, and quite frankly, over the last 10 years, especially, I've seen it get progressively worse. And as I was speaking to Ned on the phone earlier today about this very subject, he said that in the UK, it's gotten even worse over the last five years, especially as all the TV adverts, as far as like gambling and stuff. I remember seeing adverts in, in your country uh, many years ago, and I thought to myself, "My God, you guys will bet on anything, right?" I mean, it's that, that's from from an outsider looking in. It's like people will go down to the bookies and they'll put a bet down on anything. But I mean, I I don't I don't agree with gambling. I mean, if that's what someone wants to do, fine. But I don't think that it should be encouraged the way that it's encouraged like that. Someone that's got and, and I'm just gonna, I'm going to go with gambling people that have gambling addictions uh, as well. I'm going to kind of throw that in there because to somebody that's addicted to alcohol. What's the last thing they need is somebody sitting next to them saying, you need to drink. You should probably get something to drink. Last thing a drug addict needs is someone saying exactly that. Well, then, of course, the logical next step would be the last thing a gambler, a gambling addict needs is a constant advert over and over and over again about you need to go put a bet down on something. It's horrible for our society. It's broken many, many families that I uh, that I know of personally that have suffered from people that have had gambling addiction. And these adverts certainly don't help. It is incessant. It's on every channel. It's on the radio. Yep. It's on the TV. Not so much on mainstream TV here in the UK, like the normal BBC channels, the, the main ITV channel, but every other channel has, has got constant gambling adverts. Yep. And if you're watching videos on TikTok or YouTube or Facebook, in between each of your, or even listening to Spotify, if you've not got the paid version, you wind up with one of these gambling adverts. But all of the other things, we still get booze adverts, but they come with the the rider, uh, which is, you know, please drink responsibly. The gambling adverts have the strap line, be gamble aware. When the fun stops, stop. And when the fun <laughs> stops, stop, yeah. Smoking. There is no tobacco advertising anymore. I would advocate those other two things, drinking and gambling, should go exactly the same way as smoking, which would be no advertising whatsoever. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that is a very good one, uh, Johnny. But like I say, we are pressed for time, so I'm going to move now to you, Sheila. I would like to put cancel culture into Room 101 all this nonsense about cancelling people. You can cancel a doctor's appointment. You can cancel your milk delivery. You can't cancel a person. You know, I, I don't quite understand. One of my colleagues said that her daughter wants to cancel Prince Charles. Do you really think he cares about what some 15-year-old hormonal girl thinks that he's, you know, she's watched a bit of The Crown and decided it wasn't very nice to Princess Diana? I'm sure he's too busy talking to his Aspidistra to... <laughs> You know, you can't. You go on holiday. You cancel your milk and your, you know, your strawberry yogurt for a week. You you can't cancel a person. But whilst I am inclined to agree with you, apart from being about Prince Charles, because he's one of those build back better types. He doesn't know that Rachel's cancelled him, though. Doesn't she? Why hasn't Rachel properly informed him? Because you can't cancel someone until you've told them they're cancelled. Mm -hmm. But they do seem to be having some success because people are getting cancelled. Of late, the moment someone 
speaks outside of the narrative, their career is damaged. They are persona non grata. They're put to one side. They're, they're not cancelled. They're not a doctor's appointment. They're not a milk delivery. Well, no, no I, I, I agree. Cancel culture is, a, is an awful thing, but they do seem to be having some success at it. So your argument was you can't cancel a person. Well, at the moment, that's that's exactly what some parts of society are indeed doing. But is that it, or is it is it they're actually doing they're cancelling someone? You know, trains are cancelled. Well. No, but all they, all they need to do is find another platform yeah. on which not to be cancelled. So, like when um, Twitter banned the Domster, he, he, he just moved to another platform. And, and he was... But he was banned popular. from Twitter. He wasn't cancelled. Well, that's, that's it. I mean, but so for some people, their life happens. And we don't call it Twitter here, by the way. We call it Twitter, is, is how I like to refer to it. Um, it's a ban. It's, it's a safe space for libtards. And um, and Donster didn't need to be on there, so he found somewhere else to be. Um, anyone else want to say anything about cancel culture? The great mophead um, orange blob aside, um, it worries me that this, this cancel culture, um, because if you want to genuinely learn, you need to understand the history. If you want to genuinely move forward, you have to understand that there were slave traders you have to understand and accept might be slightly the wrong word but it is it's accept that it happened and think of a better way to do things in the future without the knowledge of 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 what's happened without the knowledge of the funny t- toothbrush mustache megalomaniac murderer from the f- the first half of last century we wouldn't remember that the wars and we wouldn't remember that actually it's not a good thing and try and move forward from that and try and prevent dictators from murdering most of their population or most of the population of Europe, which he thankfully didn't quite succeed at. But, you know, without knowing those things, you can't cancel the past. It is the past. It is a thing to learn from and not make the same mistakes again. Misogyny, whatever, all all these things have happened and we need to move forward from it. I, I genuinely think, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, think this country would be better run if it was run by women because I think that they're far more sensible and far better actually organising stuff than, we're, than than gentlemen are. I've got to stop you there. Um, Whilst no, much no. of the country is run by women, every household just about, women seem, seem to be having a, a, a stronger voice in what happens in the households, uh, which is good. Because I agree with you that they are very good organisers. There's another word like organiser that I can't think of right now. But Theresa Bloody May, it, she ran this country and she was the worst. Actually, I'm not even sure. What was Theresa May surrounded by? Who was Theresa May surrounded by? Absolutely surrounded by. Really bad dance teachers. Really bad dance teachers and men. And who, men, were, and men. And who were constantly whispering in her ear and telling her what to do all the time. If she'd been surrounded by more sensible ladies, or not, I'm not saying exchange the entire cabinet or the entirety of the thing, but just give proper representation, actually get these people in. It is shameful that we have only had one woman, well, two women now. I don't really count Theresa May because she wasn't there long enough to make a proper actual difference. We've only had one woman who has made a proper difference 
as prime minister of this country. But that's that's aside. It's just learning from the past. Even that woman made mistakes. It, it, Margaret Thatcher made mistakes. You need to learn from her mistakes. It's learning from people. If you with this cancel culture, it just totally disregards that, and it's very difficult to then learn and move forward in a productive way. I feel well put, and I, and I, I agree. I, I do agree with you, but I, I couldn't let the fact that Theresa May. Possibly the worst prime minister until this one. Yeah. Yeah. Just really quickly, and I, I agree with you on everything. As, as somebody that's really big into history, I agree with you on everything as, as far as what you said about history. We, we've got to understand what happened in the past so we don't repeat that same mistake. But we're kind of in this paradox at the moment uh, because we aren't paying attention because of cancel culture, quite frankly. But I also think I'd just like to add this one part because we're sitting here and we're discussing. It's funny because we flipped everything. We weren't really supposed to talk about politics, but unfortunately, cancel culture, as important as it is, it is a political issue, but it also affects more than just politics and history. It also bleeds over into other areas of our culture completely as cancel culture. Comedy. Look what they're trying to do to our comedy. They're trying to cancel comedy. How on earth? Like you, you can't have you. If you're a comedian now, you can't say the same thing that you could just a few years ago. Go, go ahead, Sam. Radio Four Extra in this country does it perfectly. They say here is a program from the seventies. Just be aware that it contains attitudes from the seventies. Yeah, Netflix is yeah, doing that as well now. They don't. They play them. They don't prevent people from listening to it. They just say, just be aware that this contains attitudes from an earlier time. I think that is the perfect way of doing it because then you can listen to it and go, oh, that's a bit wrong compared to where we are now. Thank God we do better or maybe we can do even better now listening to these things. I completely agree. It is potentially killing comedy. Comedy Comedy is a way of pointing out to people what is wrong. That's why Alf Garnett, I don't know if he, if he, if he translated into the US, but these inflammatory comedians, that's how they work. They're not saying, my idea is right. They're saying, isn't this ridiculous? Isn't this a ridiculous caricature of a thing? Let's, get, let's make it better. Unless you have those ridiculous caricatures, I hate the word snowflakes. I think snowflakes should be cancelled, but that's a different 101 situation. I hate it. I hate it as a concept. But anyway, the, 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 the snowflakes are saying, cancel Ben Elton. Cancel these people who have these inflammatory ideas. Ben Elton is one of the most progressive thinkers that there is in this country. He's, he is unbelievably, unbelievably egalitarian, but because some of his characters were overtly racist and overtly sexist and overtly ist of anything really because he deliberately made them that way so people went my god that's wrong and then when you listen to his speeches and his conversation afterwards he's going that's why i do it that's why i do these things it's like there's um house there is a movement in the trans culture uh, which i am closely aligned to trans and LGBTQ plus, 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 whatever it carries on to, right? But there is a movement of people saying that House was wrong because he took the Michael out of, or or he pointed out bad things about trans culture. If an arsehole is an arsehole, it doesn't matter whether they're in a wheelchair, they're still an arsehole. If an arsehole is an arsehole, it doesn't matter whether they've had a bad childhood, they're still an asshole. You can be a nice person and in a wheelchair. Do you know what I mean? You can be a nice person and have had a horrific childhood. That is possible. But House and Hugh Laurie, who took on House, took it on 
because he knew that it was a controversial character, but he wanted to point out these things and he wanted to make people go, that's slightly wrong, but here's an intelligent way of thinking about it. It's if somebody with intelligence can give you a reasoned answer, reasoned thing as to why this is. They might be wrong to other people, but there are people who think these things. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm taking over this subject. No, no, it's, it's, it's a very strong subject. Thank you, Sheila. I'll throw in real quick. There's only one problem with this. Um, this entire show would be thrown in. Yeah. Because we're canceling. It's a good point. We are canceling a lot of so, things, aren't we? Yeah. And with good reason. We're putting them in room 101. Yeah, we're putting them in They're, 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 they're being canceled. They're being moved from one platform yeah. to another. If you like them that much, you can always put yourself in room 101. Yeah, and off you go. You know what I got? No, the, oh. again, I, I am astounded at how complex a discussion some of these these things can stimulate. You know, each point that we brought up, we've all had something to say about it, and it, and it is... It is very interesting, but time is pressing. And now you, Bruce, have you had time, sir, to think of a third option for Room 101? I did. Um, actually, I, I had to scramble to think of something else that uh, because Johnny's is a little close to what I was. He did uh, gambling and I was actually going to do one on medication ads, but since it's so close, I'll do something a little different. This is something that's I'm not sure I haven't done before or hasn't been brought up before. If it has, I'll I'll use the other one. But it's a problem here in America specifically with restaurants, uh, namely, and it's tipping restaurants, uh, bars, those kind of things. And the reason I say it's a problem. So the the employee is paid less. And in many cases, they're paid below minimum wage because of tipping. And they're, you're expected to tip 15 to 18% of the bill uh, to help pay for um, the, the, the waiter, waitress, um, uh, staff's uh, performance, basically. You're, you're expected to pay for it. Now, I, I understand the idea. Um, you can be generous yourself and tip them well if they if they did a, uh, an exceptional job at um, you know then you you tip them more. However, it is not the job of the consumer, the the person that is being waited upon to pay for the 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 um, basically uh wage to subsidize their wages yes subsidize their wages thank you yes that is exactly it um i don't i don't think it's their job i think it's the job of the employer to provide those uh, uh things technically it is exactly your your job to do but by buying the food not by giving it directly to them i think what this this yes. depends on i think what this depends on is how much the food is costing because here in the UK, the normal markup on a meal is around about 150%. So it's 150% of whatever the meal cost the restaurateur to buy the ingredients and cook it, yeah, and serve it to you. Whereas booze is around about 300%. So for each bottle of wine, you're shaking your head there, Sam. How much of what a pub earns actually goes into its pocket from from the alcohol itself? Uh, we're talking about a pub. 
when you're talking about a pub, it's slightly different. I'm talking about a restaurant. It's with- not much different. The alcohol actually doesn't 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 earn them much money. It's the giving the food. It is the food is what earns a restaurant money. There is so much. I mean, when you're talking about if you buy a, a six pound bottle of wine and charge forty quid to open it, yes. But actually, yeah. there is so much duty. That is why a bottle of wine costs you so much in a restaurant to open, because there is so much duty on it uh, that it is it is it is prohibitive. That that well, is why information goes back to where I, where I grew up in a restaurant where the wine was bought wholesale, mm-hmm. and there was about three hundred percent profit on each bottle. That that three hundred percent now now is eaten up by duty on the alcohol. Yeah, yeah, sure, I, I get you. So in the states, Bruce, is the food cheap? So if you were going to have a normal, um, well, I say normal, I like them to be extra large steak. Mm-hmm. Um, how many? How much? How much are you paying for something like a twelve ounce sirloin, for instance? It depends on where you go. Uh, if you're going to, if you go to a chain restaurant, it's uh, low quality, uh, higher priced. If you go to uh, more of a gourmet restaurant, uh, it will be high priced, high quality. Yeah. Um, so it really depends on where you go. If it's a mom and pop place, um, it, you're going to be paying more. F- I mean, uh, more than a chain, but the quality is going to be much higher. So it, it really varies. There's not, there's not like a set standard. Uh, on on what you pay for them. Because waiters and waitresses, I've been a waiter, I've done a lot of it, and I used to get tipped, but the the tips weren't guaranteed in the UK. They they really are up to the individual. Um, And, you know... Same in the States. But are are the servers any better at doing their job because they are desperate to make sure you tip them? Uh, That, I don't... I, I, I can't... Because you, you still get the, the waiters and waitresses that are rude or they don't do their job well or it, it's more of a kind of an, an entitled um, uh, college kid, if you will, that, that does the job and they, they don't do a good job. When you do get a, a good waiter or waitress, typically you request them again and you do tip them well uh, because they do a good job. Um, so there there is an element of um, it does affect things. but the, the the problem is it i i as the consumer i'm buying the product like i'm buying the food you you're you're as the employer providing the extra service so you're the one that should be ensuring that the staff are doing a good job at, 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 so it, the the burden of that should be on that um which it will affect prices yeah prices of yeah. of the meal will go up but is it really going up because you're still paying a tip you know so if you include the tip into it is the price about the same even after you get rid of the tips? So uh, I, I say just get rid of it. In the, I, I, I agree, because in the group of people that I go out for meals with, I'm usually the only one with any cash. So it's always me that winds up getting the tip. And it's, um, uh, you know, it, it, it gets a bit much sometimes. But the biggest tip I ever got was from Sir Alec Guinness, as in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it was when they were filming uh, one of the Star Wars episodes uh, nearby, and he was staying in the hotel, which was not a terribly great hotel, I must say. Um, 
and and um, I served him breakfast for about six weeks. And at the end of that six weeks, I was the one that was there waiting on his table on the day that he left. And he wound up giving me a £50 tip. And uh, I was absolutely stunned and amazed. It was the biggest tip I've ever had since or, or before. So it's, it's quite nice for, for staff to receive tips, and it certainly makes your day. But at the same time, they should have been paid or they should be paid a fair wage. Um, so anyone else got anything on that one? I'd just like to say uh, they are paid a fair wage where I'm at, and I didn't realize that for the longest time uh, when I when I first uh, when I first started to go to places to eat here. But of course, that was back in the good old days. But you can leave big tips. Of course, they appreciate it, but they make a good wage. All servers uh, in this country get paid a decent wage, uh, and anything that you give them is up to you. Uh, usually, usually the max that you would give to someone here, just for point of reference, would be five euros. That would be the max. Now, if you're at a more uh, upper scale restaurant or something like that, then of course, uh, you would probably give more than that. But um, anytime you would go to any run of the mill uh, restaurant, cafe, whatever, you're giving between one and five euros for a tip. Uh, um, just to finish on a laugh, uh, and I'm, I'm going to steal this from Mickey Flanagan. Um, he says, uh, my wife likes a restaurant. She says she, li- she likes the ambience. And um, he's worked out what ambience is. It's an absence of poor people. That's what she quite enjoys. <laughs> I, I remember you actually, you told me that joke once before, and I remember I laughed at oh, it then too. It is, it is one of my favorites. Thank you, Mickey Flanagan, for that. So let me sum up. We had Sam's public urination. And and the not his, not his no. But, so, um, did, is that right. what is that where he went? Did he just he stepped away from it? Is that is that where he went? Yeah, stepped away for a moment. So so I'll continue. I'll continue my summary. But um, Johnny gambling adverts absolutely appalling. The level of saturation that we're at with with these kind of adverts, they are absolutely everywhere. Sheila, cancel culture, and Bruce with tipping and, and how tipping should be replaced by a um, a fair, equitable wage. You know, an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. I've got to say that there's two things here that have got highly damaging, really highly damaging um, consequences. And the cancel culture and the gambling adverts. And I think... If I could stop one thing right now, it would be the cancel culture. Because at the end of the day, people have still got choice when it comes to gambling, which is a a dreadful addiction. But they haven't got a choice when it comes to cancel culture. They've got the attitudes that they've developed throughout their life, through their life experience, through their parents. So we have quite often some older attitudes it's these older attitudes and ideas that this cancel culture is seeking to wipe out. History, like all of you pretty much mentioned, trying to cancel history. And we don't want to cancel history. You want to learn from history. History repeats itself because nobody was listening the first time. So cancel culture is going into room 101.
means we have a, a, a tie-break situation. In the three rounds, Sam, you've got litterbug children and parents who don't discipline their litterbug children. That's gone in. Johnny, you've got the neglectful dog owners in with their um, little packages everywhere. And Sheila, you've got cancel culture. So we're in a three-way tie. I think whichever one of you is on the show next time <laughs> should be the judge. Or I can just decide now who should well. be the next judge. It is your decision, per your own rules, it is your decision, because quite frankly, points mean nothing, as you stated on the very first one, so it's up to you. It's whoever does the best job at convincing you, your majesty, I mean, the, our illustrious judge, it, it's whoever does the best job at convincing you, you make the decision, and because, because I can see my esteemed colleague over here doesn't like the way that I'm trying to, but I mean, talk to you, talk you uh, into picking well, whoever you feel is, is most deserving, but it's well, whoever you choose. I'm going to stop you there and trump you for a moment because um, this be the verse is one of my favourite poems that's ever been written. It's by my favourite, one of my favourite poets, Philip Larkin. There you go. So, yes, it is Philip Larkin. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm trumped by knowledge. Sorry. That's I true. Know it, that I, no argument, sir. No argument. Yeah. Touche. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> it is, though, however, this this is because this is our rule uh, as as we do our own little spin on it here from you know your suggestion to bring in here, Marty. Whoever you choose or whoever the judge is, for that matter, whoever the judge is that chooses the winner becomes the judge for our next one. Yeah. And when I tried to butter you up, in a similar vein, it totally backfired. So, Sam, you're the winner for this evening and will be the next judge the next time we do it. Congratulations, sir. I graciously yeah. accept. I shall do my victory dance later. Hopefully not out in the street next to the man who has a wee on your front lawn. <laughs> we know who that man is, and the victory dance is a foxtrot because you, his name is Oscar, wasn't it? You said foxtrot Oscar. Trying to get him to do a dance for you, which I think is very weird. Um, right. Thank you, everybody, for being on board and playing tonight. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure for me. I'm like a Shetland pony. I've become a little, little horse. So it's time for a drink, uh, a nice bedtime um, repast, possibly a decaffeinated coffee. So I'd like to say goodnight from me. And it's... Goodnight from Sheila. And it's goodnight from... Good night from Sam. And good night from Bruce as well. And Bruce, and it's good night from Good night from Johnny. And so uh, because this is our last uh, Room 101 for the year, and I want to thank all of you for being here uh, for, for this very special podcast, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to re-air all of these. Now, this will be put out tomorrow, obviously, but we're going to re-air all these, all that we've done on Christmas Day. So people can listen to us on Christmas Day if they choose, and they can hear all the Room 101s that we've done, and they can laugh right along with us. So if you're listening to us on Christmas Day from myself and all of us here we'd like to wish all of you a very merry christmas to you and your families happy christmas everybody merry christmas and god bless us, everyone <laughs> <laughs> is that big turkey still in the shop window <laughs> marvelous 
thank you all for being here this evening. Uh, Sheila, thank you for being here. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on for your first one. We hope you come back and see us again uh, for the next one. It'd be a real pleasure to have you here. Sam, as well, thank you for being here. Congratulations on your victory tonight. And we will see you on the next one. Everyone have a fantastic evening. Masalama, Good night.